Good morning. It's a joy to gather together this morning. We have the opportunity. Amen. It is a great privilege, as it always is, to begin worship with baptism. And today we have Charlotte Thompson. Charlotte, come on down for baptism. If you are family or friend of Charlotte, would you please stand in support of her? You can support her in this baptism. Amen. We, we love you and thank you for supporting her. Here, Charlotte, turn this way. There you go. Now, Charlotte, We've had uh, a couple of conversations, and it's beautiful the work that Jesus Christ is doing in your life. So this morning, in front of all of us, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes. Amen. Well, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. We praise God for this new life in our family of faith. Amen. Gathered together, church, this morning. Welcome to Lagos Worship here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio. We're glad to be able to gather. Uh, if you're able to, would you stand with us as we begin? Uh, throughout the summer series, we've been walking through a call to worship through the chapter of Psalm 119, and it's the longest chapter of the Bible, which is kind of fun, and so we're kind of digesting it little by little. It's all about the Word of God. So let's read together from Psalm 19, starting verse 49. Remember your word.
what a, what a neat line. And of course, I would latch onto it as a musician. But your statutes are the songs of my sojourning. As I walk through each day that I hold on to the word of the Lord. As we gather as the church this morning, we declare that there is no one like our God. That he is a good God. Can you say amen? Amen. We've got some friends here who are, who are visiting. And I'm, I'm just overjoyed to be able to be the church gathering together to declare our God is good. So let's do that this morning. Good and your mercy endure it forever. 
sing it again. Lord, you're good. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth
says this, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord glory due his name. Worship the Lord in splendor and of holiness. We often somehow in our minds train ourselves to get into this rut where worship equals song, but worship is a response to God. God reveals himself to us. He says, this is who I am. This is my name. And our response, that's worship. And so this morning, we're gonna have an opportunity to continue our worship through our giving. As we do so as his church, let's join together in reading this prayer. We give you this offering today. With it, we worship you and give our whole selves to you. Please now take it and use it for your kingdom and for the glory of your name. Extend and multiply its reach and influence, we pray. May it be a great blessing to many.
as we continue our worship this morning. Kids, would you come on forward? Pastor Danny has a word for you. Everyone else, you can go ahead and have a seat. That is a wonderful question. I just got asked, what are we going to talk about today? That's a great, great question. Um, but first, let me just say, it is so good to see y'all. How's everyone doing? Good. That is awesome. Well, to answer your question, we are going to talk about names. Now, so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to say a name, and then I want you to describe the person that's connected to that name as best you can, okay? Do you understand what I'm gonna ask? So I'm gonna say a name, and y'all are gonna describe the person. You don't have to repeat the name, just describe the person that's connected to that name. Are you ready? Yep. Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Tell what else about? Uh, super rich. Super rich, okay. Superhero Strong. Uh, vigilante, is that what you said? Wow, that's a nice technical term. Superhero. Okay, here we go. Defeats villains. Joker. We associated him with another name. You're absolutely right. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here we go. Cinderella. Princess. Princess. Glass slipper. That's right, marriage. Yes. That, oh, that's a good name. Goku, that's a good name. Is that your favorite? Now, tell me about Goku. He's powerful. Yeah, and he's strong just like me. And just, just like you. Just like you. All right, I'm going to give you one more. One more. You ready? Mickey Mouse. A mouse. A mouse. Tinies for babies. Tinies for babies. <laughs> Big ears. Big creepy. Nine years old. That's right. All right. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen. Listen. Um, the reason y'all are able to do that is because names are always connected to a person. And also you can describe them. That's right. And it describes who they are. In the same way, um, when God gave us his name, he was saying, this name is a part of who I am. I am a person. I have a character and a nature. And here's my name. And when you say my name, I always want you to think about me and who I am. Yes, ma'am. And what describes um, you? That's right. What describes you? Did you? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, it was a new Mickey Mouse. Oh, that's awesome. And we see a lot of good movies with the people with a lot of names, right? But I want us to remember God's name. Now, listen, before we go, as promised, we're going to go over the commandments that we've been learning so far, okay? Do y'all know the first one? Yes. Do not make any other idols. Oh, close. That's the second one. What's the first one? Not make any other gods. You shall have no, no other gods before me. Okay. The second one is you shall not make yourself an idol. An idol. Okay. Now we're going to learn a third one today. All right. And so here's the third one. You shall not take the Lord, name of the Lord, your God in vain. So repeat after me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. All right, everybody, can y'all do this? All right, we're going to do it. Here we go. Let's all say it together. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Excellent job. Let's pray together. 
Father, we're thankful um, that you shared with us your name and the name of your son. Lord, may we never take it for granted. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's kids said, amen. You may be seated. All right, man, um, so how's that memory going? Y'all memorizing all the commandments? Not just the kiddos, but you two, they're not that hard, but one of our ambitions is that we as a church family recall and remember the commandments, the commandments. Um, if you're a first timer with us today, this is your first time with us um, my name is Danny Panter. I'm one of the associate pastors on staff in this church family. Family, Let me just say we are so honored that you would worship with us today. Um, in the same way that God says, don't take my name in vain or don't take me for granted, we certainly don't want to take you for granted. Hopefully you've discovered in front of you um, something that looks like this. It says connect here. So if you um, if this is your first time with us, would you honor us by filling this out? And then uh, at the conclusion of our time of worship, you can just um, put it in the table as you exit to the right. We call it our Ask Me um, booth. And so if you could just put that there so that we can not take you for granted, but begin a relationship with you um, and get you connected into our church family. But we are delighted that you have chosen to worship with us today. Um, we are in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, and it is that third commandment. We have talked about the first two, you shall have no other gods before me, um, you shall not make yourself an image, but today we are in verse 7. Back in chapter 3, um, the scripture tells us the story Moses was keeping his flock, leading his sheep to the west side of Mount Horeb. That mountain was known as God's mountain. It was rugged, rocky, and had low shrubs, most likely, and low grass on patchy grass on parts of the terrain and landscape. And while he was leading his sheep, out of the corner of his eye, he saw a spark, a flicker. Turning, he witnessed the spark begin to overwhelm this small bush, flame enveloped everything in just a moment, and it caught his curiosity. But what became more curious was that as he watched this fire consume this, or overwhelm this bush, he noticed that the branches nor the leaves were burning. It was remarkable. He had to get a closer look. He couldn't help it. His feet drew him closer to get a closer look at this strange Fire, And as he turned and stepped towards the bush, God took notice. Moses, Moses, Moses was startled. He looked around. Um, uh, yes, here, here I am. Don't come any closer. Take your sandals off. This place, the ground where you're standing is holy ground. Moses, without hesitation, discarded his sandals Fear was very close. 
I'm the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. With each syllable, Moses cowered lower, hiding his face from the fire and the voice coming out of this bush, God. And God said, I have seen my people's affliction in Egypt, and I've heard their cry. I've come to rescue them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them into a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will be a free people and, and will know my blessing. So come to me. I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people out of Egypt. And everything was coming so fast. Moses was overwhelmed by all of it. He slowly processed the words he just heard and he said, me? Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Not, not me. Moses said to God, who am I to go to Pharaoh to bring the people out of Egypt? But I will be with you. But when I come to the people and I tell them the God of your fathers has sent me and they ask, what is his name? What in the world will I tell them? I am who I am. When you see the people and they ask my name, say to the people, I am, has sent you to them. Would you stand with me now? We're gonna read Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You may be seated. Father, Lord, we entrust this time to you. Uh, Lord, this is a gut check moment, not just for me, but for all of us. Are the words that I'm saying and one of my, the things that I'm doing in vain? Are they sincere? Are the songs that we sing in vain, are they sincere? Lord, we pray by your grace that you would pluck out of our heart any vain things that we might receive your word and worship you as your people. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Names are personal, incredibly personal. When two people first meet each other, what do they exchange? They exchange names. There's a reason for that. When we know a person's name, it's very literally, we begin to know a part of who they are. Names are connected to the person to which they belong. When God tells Moses his name, it's a first, but it's also a very personal invitation for Moses to know him and for his people to begin this new relationship with God, their rescuer. In fact, as you can imagine, one of the first things Ann and I ever did together when we first met was to what? Exchange names. Then she asked for my number. But <laughs> y'all know better than that. Y'all know better than that. That's not the way it went down. But we exchanged names because that's what you do to get to know one another. In fact, uh, interestingly enough, when I was 16 years old, I changed my name. I had grown up all my life going by Michael or Mike because my dad was shared, we shared the same name. So to distinguish me from my dad, I went by Mike, he went by Dan. But when I was 16, I went to boarding school in Germany, and I went into the dorm and began to familiarize myself with the students there, and there were three other Mikes 
So you can imagine what I did. I wanted to distinguish myself from all the other Mikes. I wanted to set myself apart. So I said, I'm now going by my first name, Danny. Danny, that's exactly what I did. So fast forward seven to eight years, and Anna and I are either engaged or close to being engaged at this point, and we're visiting with my parents, and this is the first time she has spent a substantial amount of time with mom and dad, and um, they began talking about Mike. Man, just conversation, story after story, and at this point, Anna's like, she told me later, she's like, I, she just checked out of a conversation. She doesn't know who this Mike person is. Until later, she discovered that Mike and Danny were the one and the same, that they were talking about me. But the reason she checked out is because the name that she knew was connected to me as a person. She knew me as Danny. And that's, that's how we relate to names. When we recall names of people, that image of that person typically, or characteristic of that perf- a person, comes right into our Mind And what's true of us is true of the Lord. His name is connected to him as a person. Uh, names are very personal. Uh, God's name is personal because it sets him apart. It distinguished him from all the other gods. And Moses knew that the people would want to know the name of the God who would rescue him, the name of the God that is demanding that they obey. They wanted to know which God is rescuing them. In a world with many, many, many gods, God gave his name to his people as if to say, you have never known a God like me. The gods of Egypt are lifeless, powerless. I'm nothing like them. My name is holy. It is set apart. It is distinct. Here it is. I am. It was personal. His name was also personal because his name had meaning. In the ancient world, in fact, names had lots of meaning. People were named. I don't know the whole process, but if you go through the Old Testament, you'll hear his name was and it meant. In fact, Abraham's name was changed, and the scripture tells us that God changed his name to Abraham because it means father of Nations, father of many nations. When you get to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, when it, and it says, and you shall name his, him Jesus, because why? He will save people from their sins. Names always had meaning. And so names are personal because they are connected to a real person who has a character and a nature. And we associate people to those names. But also in God's case, his name had incredible meaning. I am who I am. I am God of forever and everywhere. There is no place that is not under my control and authority. I am, and no one has power over me. That's what God is saying to his people. While the supposed gods and goddesses had their little domains, spheres of power and influence, all was a lie, of course, a charade, God says, I am who I am. I'm Lord over all. I always was and is and will always will be, right? His name is personal. We also know that his name carries power and weight. God intended his people to know him and to associate his name with his nature and character, his steadfast love, his mercy, his grace, as rescuer, as protector, as provider. He wanted to know, wanted them to know that his 
name is associated with his character, nature, and power. We see it all over scripture, Romans 10, 13. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? There's power in the name of our Lord. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. If you remember the story, um, two stories in the New Testament, John and Peter, shortly after Jesus ascended, they're in the temple worshiping. They leave the temple. There's a beggar at the gate, that beautiful gate, and he's begging for alms for money. And they say, silver and gold, we have None, but what do they do? But what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he rose up and walked in the power of Jesus' name. Or if you remember in Acts chapter 16 where Paul is in um, Philippi and this young girl who's possessed by demonic spirit is following him all day and saying, Paul of Silas, I mean Paul of Tarsus, um, servant of the most high God, uh, over and over again, all day long, finally Paul, in his frustration, turns around and says, in Jesus' name, come out. And the demon comes out. There's power in the name of Jesus. Not because putting words together is a, a magical, has a magical effect, but because the name of Jesus, the name of our Lord God, is associated to his nature and character to a person, to a person. The power is in the person, not the alphabet, or the words. When Paul and John and Peter use the name of Jesus, they do it because they know him, and they follow him, and they've walked with him, and they've seen what he can do, and they do it in honor of his name, to the glory of his name, and to the power of his name. There's power in the name of our Lord. Don't take it for granted. That's that third commandment. My name is personal. My name carries weight. Don't take it in vain. Don't take it for granted. In what ways do we take the Lord's name in vain? What areas of our life are we most tempted to take the name of the Lord for granted? I don't think we're all that different from the people of Israel, even in the ancient world, we suffer from the same inclinations that they do, but it's worth our time to consider how in the world did they take the Lord's name in vain and what was God warning them against so as to be able to identify the places where we are most inclined to take the Lord's name in vain. The first place, I believe, is in rhythm and rhyme. There's a great temptation here in knowing the name of the Lord so remember, when God gave his name to the people of Israel, he was setting himself apart from all the other gods, the tens or hundreds or thousands of God. I don't, they're probably a top 10 in the Egyptian ancient world that they knew the names of and they worshiped. And God is saying, I'm giving you my name to distinguish myself from all of these lifeless gods that you worship. Um, but God knew exactly how they worshiped these gods. Uh, he knew how they used their names, whatever their names 
might have been. In the ancient world, to know a name was to have power over a person or even a God. If you said it often enough, if you said it loud enough, if you followed the right combination of words, if you used that mantra, if you used that magical spell and said it in the right tone, then you would have power over that God and he would grant you what you needed or wanted in that season of life. If you could convince or persuade the God with the right words and the right combination, then you could get what you needed. Y'all remember the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel? There are hundreds of prophets to the God Baal. And to distinguish his God from the God of Baal, lowercase g, he said, let's do something. Now, I want us to set up each our own altars, and we're going to call down and ask our God to consume what we put on the altar by flame, right? And so the scriptures tells us that the prophets of Baal, all day long, they cry out, Baal, answer us, Baal, answer us, over and over and over again. Eventually, they began to do what was part of their custom. They would take swords and lances and began to cut themselves, and the blood would flow. And so they would say his name and cut themselves and go through their ritual and their ceremony in order to beckon their God. That's how they use the name of their gods. Of course, nothing happened. The Bible says no one answered. No one could hear. In fact, um, Elijah would make fun of them and say, maybe he's asleep or gone to the restroom. It's in there. You read it. It's in there. Of course, we know when, when Elijah, who walked with his Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he called upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord God consumed the offering on the altar. But rhythm and rhyme, that was the mode of the day. That's how you related to your God. You just had to say the right words in the right way and say the name loud enough. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, don't pray like that. Don't pray like the Gentiles or the pagans repeating the same thing over and over like an incantation or a magical spell. And that's exactly what God means by the third commandment. Don't treat my name like that, as if you can dial me in or control me or use magical words and rituals and the right ceremony and hold your hands in the right place, as if somehow by saying my name loud enough and often enough with the right words stringed after that you could have power over me. Don't pray to me like that. The person who uses God's name like that really isn't interesting, interested in knowing a personal, powerful God, a rescuer, or a redeemer. They're only interested in what he can give. And they can appear super faithful, doing all the right things, jumping through all the right hoops, but only because they want the blessings of God and not God himself. And God says, do not take me for granted. Don't take my name in vain. Don't be like them who just say the name over and over again to get what they want. We can see this kind of vanity and the use of God's name in this way even today. The health wealth gospel. I could list names of preachers. You know them. And they teach when, if you jump through the right hoops, if you, if you conjure up the power of Jesus' name and you demonstrate incredible amount of faithfulness, then you get stuff. 
The only reason you don't get stuff is because you aren't faithful enough or you're not doing this enough. You're not saying the right words enough. You haven't ordered your life well enough. If you do all of that, then you get stuff. They're not interested in knowing God. They're interested in having a BMW. And God says, don't take my name for granted like that. Don't throw my name around if all you want is stuff. I'm a personal God. I've rescued you to know me. This is eternal life, that you might know the one true God and the one whom I have sent, Jesus. Yes, there is blessing. I long to bless you, but in the context of a powerful relationship to walk with me, to know me, to obey me. Don't take my name in vain. We can be tempted to do this too. We would never say it like this, but sometimes we expect our faithfulness to reciprocate with ease in life. If I go to church, if I go to Bible study, or worship the right songs, etc., then surely my life should be easy. My life shouldn't be like this. And when hardship comes, rather than running to a God who's faithful to, to walk through with us, we say, why me? Why is this happening to me? I've done everything that you've asked me to do. God says it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You, you don't follow me or, or go to worship or go to Bible study because you want to dial me in and get what you need or because I can make your life easy. He says, no. I, I call you to be mine, to know me. I give and take away, not because of the hoops you jump through or don't jump through, but because I'm a personal and powerful God and I know you're good better than you know you're good. And God even says in Romans chapter eight, I'm orchestrating all things in your life for your good. That's the ugly and the good, all of it. He says, I know what's best for you. So don't, don't say, well, oh, woe is me, or, or why me when these things, you, you face these kind of things in life. Know that I know you're good better than anybody. Come to me. Come to me. It certainly isn't manipulative or magic to use the name of God when it's used in a personal and faith-driven, obedient kind of way. When you call out his name like that, you, you do because you know what kind of God he is and you love him and you believe him. When you use his name like that, it's not manipulative or attempting to dial him in. In the same way, one of my girls might ask me to get her a bowl out of a cabinet because she can't reach or call me from the playground because she's hurt. She's not conjuring me up or manipulating me she is believing in who I am and trusting in our relationship that I will move and act on her behalf. I will get the bowl down. I will go look at her knee. Here's the thing. None of my daughters would never exchange me for the bowl. Right? They would never exchange me for the bowl, even if it had ice cream in it. I hope. <laughs> but do y'all see what I'm saying? When rhythm and rhyme is a part of our relationship with God, we tend to want stuff over him, ease over knowing a God and trusting in his goodness for our life. And we get upset when we feel like we've done everything right the way that he wants us to. And God says, don't, don't take my name for granted. Don't take my name for granted, but 
in this relationship with this powerful God who's given us, his, given us his name, says, here's my name. Know me. Walk with me. Love me. Trust me. And even when I don't immediately answer your prayer the way that you want, know that I have your good in mind. Desire me over the stuff that I can give. There's another way that we can tend to take the Lord's, God's name in vain. That's clear in scripture, and we're gonna walk through this briskly. This is um, Isaiah 1, verse 15. Man, this is rough. Listen to this. When you spread out your hands, he's talking to the people of Israel. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, you can add, in my name, I will not listen. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. Jesus says, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Do not take my name in vain. Their worship was in vain because God did not listen to their prayer or receive their worship. We know that it was vanity. It was, their worship was clearly vain. And because of its vanity, God says, I don't hear, I will not receive your worship. Why? Because their prayers and worship was heartless. Their hearts were not in it. All of it was heartless. And we call this hypocrisy. Exactly what Jesus called it, hypocrisy. The first way that I described in rhythm and rhyme, we tend to take God's name in vain. We can appear faithful. We can even do all the right things, but we are more interested in formulas than actually walking with God. That's the first way. We just want the right combination to get what we want. But in this way, with his hypocrisy, there is no intention of faithfulness at all. We just want to look the part on Sunday. Right? There's no intention of faithfulness in the rest of life. Much like the Israelites, this is what was going on in the people of Israel. They had already given themselves to all these other gods. From Monday through Saturday, uh, they were worshiping, listening, obeying, giving themselves to all these wayward ways to these other gods and goddesses. And then they would show up for worship, and they would pray, and they would go through the ritual, and God says, I don't hear that because you have no intention of following me. You're following all these other gods. I don't hear your prayer. I don't receive your worship. He says, you're, you're, you're taking my name in vain, taking me for granted. My goodness, can't we do that too? Can't we do that too? We are tempted to follow just as many other gods as the people of Israel were thousands of years ago. We have our idols. We've been talking about that the past three weeks. We have them, they're there. And we can just as easily give ourselves to them every day. And then we turn to worship. And we come to Bible study. God says, why do you take my name in vain? You obey all these other things. You give yourself to all these other things. Why do you think I'll listen to your prayer or receive your worship? Because your heart's not in it. You're just showing up. 
going through the motions. We all can be there. We can do it just like them. We can try to rhythm and rhyme our way with God or our hearts could not be in it at all. And that's why God said, let me, let me just give you this command right off the bat. No other gods before me. Don't, don't make a graven image and don't throw my name around if you don't mean it. Don't take my name for granted. You can't control me. I'm the, the owner and master and creator of the universe. You can't manipulate me, but I am your God. And if you walk with me, I will be your people or you will be my people. So how do we obey this command? Um, the people of Israel, not too long before they go into exile uh, in Micah chapter six. Now I want you to kind of imagine this with me. It's this, this celestial tribunal, the people of Israel called up to be judged by God. And the mountains and trees are the witnesses. They are in the jury box. And the people of Israel are being held account for their godlessness. And God's warning them, if you don't repent, you're going to be, you're going to face judgment. And they say, God, tell us what to do. What to do? What, what should we do? Now, this is what they were thinking. They were thinking, just give us another rhyme. Give us another spell. Give us another series of things, an incantation. Uh, should we sacrifice our own children, should we burn them at the altar? Is that what you want? Then you'll be happy with us and then we can get what we want. And God says, no. That's not what I want. He says, you know, oh man, what the Lord requires of you. But to love mercy. To do justice. And to walk humbly with your God to know him, uh, to long to listen to him and how to navigate this life, whether for good or bad or whatever you're facing. He says, will you, will you even seek me then? Will you, will you love me more than stuff? Uh, will you walk with me when it's hard? Will you obey with me when things aren't easy? If we want to overcome and fight this tendency to take his name in vain, we've gotta see ourselves for who we are. We are idol makers we give ourselves to many other gods. We've got to be able to see those things, and we have to go to war against those things by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh. And we have to fight. We have to fight, and we call those things out and say, Lord, I don't want to give myself to these things. I want to exalt and worship you alone. But here's the thing. The, the distinguishing marker of a person who doesn't take the Lord God's name in vain is this. Are you ready? Obedience. Obedience. This comes from a person who's walking with God, who aims to hear the voice of God and what God says, love like this. Forgive this person. Go here. The person who doesn't take God's name in vain says, yeah, yes, sir, I will do that. I will do that. If you want to overcome and fight through our tendency to take his name in vain, then strive to walk with him, to listen to him, and obey him. And he says, when you do that, you're not taking my name in vain. 
Let's be that kind of people. We're gonna move into a time of response. This is an opportunity for us to see ourselves for who we are, to see our own idolatry, to see that we've given ourselves to other things and go to war by the grace of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have given yourself to Christ, knowing your own sin, your own depravity, and said, Lord, I know that I can stand forgiven because of the work of your son, and yet you still struggle with idolatry, we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I see that for what it is. Put it to death. Help me put it to death and help me to obey. So you need to identify those places in your life, Christian, and go to war. Um, Unbeliever, if you have yet to put your faith and trust in Christ, you need to know um, that God has made a way to you for you to know forgiveness for your sin that you have committed against him, for your blatant idolatry. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. There's power in the name of Jesus in that when we come to him sincerely and in faith, believing in what he, who he is and what he's done, we have, can be forgiven of our sin and be restored in new life to God. Would you come in faith? Would you come in faith? Let's pray. Father, um, we're so grateful for the power of your name, not because uh, a list of letters that are strung together, but because your name is associated with your nature and your character. You are a person, creator of the heavens and the earth, redeemer and rescuer. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us as your church to follow you, to say yes to you, to obey you, to not take your name lightly or in vain or for granted, to not just jump through their hoops. But regardless of what life throws our way in the world that we live in, that we would say yes to you and we would obey you. Lord, I pray for the unbeliever that by the power of your spirit, you would bring repentance and faith. That they would turn from their sin and trust in your son and know forgiveness and everlasting life. Lord, we, we pray that you're exalted in this place, that your name would be high and lifted up, that you would receive all glory and honor, that we would delight in knowing you and not just delighting and the blessings that you can give. Make us that kind of people. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together. We're gonna continue to worship. You come, respond. This altar is open for anyone who wants to come and pray. Our commitment is to come alongside you and pray with you.
Continue in a spirit of unity and worship. Hear our pray first prompt this week. It's for our children. It's for Vacation Bible School. This is how we pray together. Father, thank you for your fierce love for children and for every creative means you've provided to gain their attention and draw them to your side. We pray that your powerful spirit in combination with the Bible lessons, crafts, and songs, will result in friendship with Jesus and all of you. Amen. You may, you may have a seat. So grateful to be over in worship with you. Um, that was beautiful. Powerful time of worship. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, the prayer prompt is a great uh, introduction to our life together. Life Together begins with Vacation Bible School, which starts this evening. So we need you here this evening to be a part of Vacation Bible School. We pray that you will bring your children because it's going to be a wonderful time in the life of our children. And we pray that you will come and you will help or you will come and you will stay because we also have a number of classes for adults that are going to be fantastic. Danny, I think you're teaching one, right? Yes. What are you teaching? Oh, nice. Uh, Ephesians 5, that'll be fantastic. You're not going to want to miss that all through this week. And there's several other classes, too. You can go online and see those classes you can participate in this week. 
So please come, be a part of this. VBS is, is a, a big deal and a, a vibrant time in the life of this church, so we're grateful for that. Another Life Together moment that's, that's not uh, listed anywhere is we normally have church conference on Sunday night, June 30th, but uh, ne next week, we're not going to have church conference, we're going to move it back a week, just because of summer schedules and the way the calendar is working out, we need to move that back to July 7th, so no church conference, our business time will be uh, Sunday night, July 7th at, at 6 o'clock. Um, another thing here, please be aware, on Thursday, July 4th, 5 o'clock, we are going to get together right here in this place and have a giant 4th of July celebration together. So we hope that you'll come and celebrate the 4th with your church family because it's going to be a beautiful time. We have dunking booths, we have food trucks, we have inflatables, uh, we have music, we have contests, and we would love for you to be here and um, experience 4th with us. Now, with that, there's some things that you can sign up for, and we need you to do that online. So please go look at those things ahead. And there's also some places you can volunteer with us. And we still need some more help because the Family Fourth is a big deal around here. And so we need lots of help. So please pay the, uh, take the time to sign up for those things, and you can find that online as well. Um, but we do um, our life together as a church well. And so we hope you come and be a part of all of it. Now, one more thing that's also not listed. I just want to say, Danny, we love you. Today is Danny Panther's birthday. Do you know this? Oh. Danny, we love you. I, I, will, I will say, though, um, in respect to that, I'm a little confused because I heard a rumor that there was a cardboard cutout of Danny over here. That's not it over there, is it? <laughs> that bear thing? Is that... Is that true? Is there a cardboard cutout over here? It's in the. We can kind of dance around with that for his birthday or something. Is uh, that, can we do that? Oh. Um, but just know, uh, today is Danny's birthday. We love him. We love um, that God is using him in a mighty way for the kingdom of God. And so we praise God for that. And so, oh, there he comes. Uh. There, there he comes. Look at that. And there he goes, as quickly as he came. Uh, it's all for your birthday, Danny. Thank we, you. We, thank we, you. we thank you. Um, so love on Danny today. Love on your church family today. I'm grateful you're here. Thank you. Um, um, well, well played. Well played. Um, I did... I did hear a rumor that uh, Pastor Chris is sacrificing all of his time for the dunking booth on July 4th. And uh, it's not a cardboard, Pastor Chris. It's going to be the real deal. That's so right. So come, That's right. That's throw, right. put him in the dunking booth. Anyway, let's stand together and we'll do our benediction with one another. Say this with joy and sincerity. Here we go. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Thank you so much. Be salt and light wherever you go. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.